Today on the Profitable Trady Podcast. This is what happens. People find ways to make themselves busy again when they've actually freed up some time because, you know, when they've got time and headspace, it just feels odd. The problem is you've judged your worth for so long by, you know, what you can see that you've done. Because if you're all about getting stuff done, then when I get stuff done, I'm a winner. And nobody wants to feel lazy until they realize that uh, being lazy and having lots of time off is actually success. To have earned the, the ability to be lazy took more hard work than any of them ever put in. So you just can't feel guilty about that. It's that simple. The journey of business growth and success isn't always plain sailing for the business owner. More success, like getting off the tools and into a managerial role, can be an emotional roller coaster for many business owners. And for many, the win doesn't feel like a win, even though they know in their head it should be a win. The feeling of being guilty about success happens at most levels of success for business owners. Tune into this week's podcast where we talk through how to recognize the problem of success guilt and how to bust through it so you can enjoy the fruits of your hard work. You're listening to the Profitable Tradie Podcast, where we'll help you turn your business into a money-making machine. We know you're busy, so we'll make it worth your time. Thanks for tuning in. And remember, time is money, and we're here to help you make more of both. So hit the follow button, and let's get started. To the podcast. All righty, Tony Fraser-Jones here, the host of the Profitable Trading Podcast. Welcome, hanging out today with uh, Phil, my good mate. How are you doing today, Phil? Always good, brother, always good. Awesome. I have to say that uh, that introduction that I did for the podcast is the best introduction I've ever done. Uh, but anyway, hopefully you're here listening. Don't be self-deprecating just to make yourself feel a little bit better, you know. It's, it's like those, uh, you're fishing for compliments. You know, that was real bad, that was real bad, just waiting for me to say, nah, it wasn't that bad, Tony. It was bad, bro. Okay. Well, if please you're forgive us, listeners. If you're listening, it wasn't bad enough. It was well. It was good enough. <laughs> it was good enough that it'll work. Anyway, yeah, yeah. let's crack in because this is actually an important topic, isn't it? It is a very important. What are we getting topic. into? Uh, well, we're talking about how there's no doubt at all that uh, owners of plumbing, electrical, and similar construction-based businesses they're hardworking. I mean, if you're listening to this, that's that's you. You're a hardworking person, and you just don't get to own a business by not being a hard worker, right? Like you, you're definitely a hard worker. And you know, hard work is part of the talent needed to actually scale your business so you can add more team members, grow your revenue, increase your profits. And the problem is, is that once you start getting to the point of getting off the tools yourself, you know, when you've got a team of maybe four or five tradesperson, uh, tradespeople, you know, doing work in a field, there should be time for feeling proud of your achievement. But for so many business owners, they actually end up feeling flat, empty, and frankly guilty about not pulling their weight. Yeah, they've spent, you know, you've spent a lot of time actually just working hard seeing the results of your, your labor with your hands and all of a sudden it's it's kind of empty because you're not directly involved with doing the stuff. And it's actually quite foreign because you're, you're actually now having to learn a set of skills and do things that uh, you haven't done before. And so it can be quite empty. And it doesn't apply just to getting off the tools. You know, it applies at a whole lot of levels. We've seen it, you know, when you've, you employ an operations manager in your business who actually runs the teams. Or maybe you get yourself out of pricing and you get an estimator and you're like, oh, I've got all this free time and it's quite weird. Well, what do I do? Or even when you've got a great business and you've got a GM who runs the business, you're like, well, what's next? I kind of cracked it, but I'm feeling kind of empty and weird. It's a really real thing. And the problem is, is not only that you, you, know, you don't necessarily enjoy the success that you've created and you don't feel great about it, you actually start to meddle back in things that you shouldn't meddle with. You get involved in stuff with your team and you annoy them and you can sabotage the very success that you've created uh, in the first instance, by the fact that you just don't feel good about it. So we really wanted to bust open this sort of seldom talked about problem because it's actually quite a significant problem. Yeah, it's pretty important. And uh, as you mentioned, it's going to rear its ugly head 
multiple times throughout your growth journey. So pretty important we crack it. Uh, and I'm sure you have a story to take I do. Off. And I'm going to talk about a story about a client that we've helped with who who's really struggled with this. And, and Graham's his name. Now, uh, he grew his team to five people and it was absolute chaos. He was trying to manage everything. Stuff was getting missed. He was, you know, on, on site, out in the field doing work. He's also organizing jobs. He was pricing work. He was doing invoices. And what he found is that he just couldn't cover everything. So mistakes were starting to happen on jobs. The quality was slipping. His margins and his cash flow started to slip because, you know, there was just downtime and, and a lack of organization. You know, he got off the tools and he got into the office and he was starting to operate in that role of, of the ops manager. So he wasn't actually out in the field doing the work anymore. He was organizing the teams, you know, scheduling, uh, doing the quality assurance, doing the ordering and all that sort of stuff. And initially he loved it. He was like, wow, this is amazing. You know, I, I uh, don't need to put my work boots on. I can come in and, you know, not work boots and stay clean all day. Happy days. But that was really difficult for him too as time went on because he started to actually feel guilty about not being out there with the boys. He started to doubt that he was actually doing real work because it was sort of office work. It was different. Yeah, well, he bit his fingernails and they tasted nice, which was uh, you know, a bit of a disconcerting thing. That's right. Yeah. And he started actually finding himself spending more and more time out in the field, almost trying to justify his existence, checking up on stuff, checking with jobs, just helping out here and there. And whenever it got busy, he would jump in and actually you know, fix the problem, help them get the work done. Then he, he lost his main tradesperson. And uh, he found out the reason for this after he left was that, that this particular chap didn't actually feel like Graham trusted him and he felt like he was always checking up on him. Now, Graham thought he was checking in, but really he was checking up. Graham thought he's actually been a good bugger and just helping out, but it, it didn't come across like that at all. You know, he had to kind of get back on the tools to rebuild things. He actually got sucked back into the, the jobs on site because it was chaos again. And, um, you know, that, that was a real difficult situation. Now he's actually, he's, he's rehired and he's, he's got, got it working properly. He's actually staying out of the way and it's working well for him. But it's been a huge learning curve. And really the reason that it was difficult is because he just, he felt weird about the fact that he was actually doing what he really wanted to do all the time. When he got there, it kind of didn't feel right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the thing is, is we've seen, um, we've seen this story with Graham, but we've actually seen this exact story with multiple people in different situations uh, all the time. It's actually a tale as old as time, song as old as rhyme. So, you know, if we can't get this right and we let our guilt about success take over, we're going to have some problems. Yeah, well, I think you spiel, you actually spoil that winning feeling. You know, you got that, that feeling of like, I've actually achieved what I wanted to, I've built the team I want to, and it just doesn't give you the satisfaction that you thought. Maybe it does initially, but because you've been conditioned to act and behave in a certain way, it just doesn't sit right with you. And this is what happens. People find ways to make themselves busy again when they've actually freed up some time because, you know, when they've got time and headspace, it just feels odd. Mm. Uh, you can damage the relationship with your team because you actually start messing in areas of the business where you shouldn't. We've well, actually employed people to do that. And what they see rather than you helping, they actually see it as a lack of trust or micromanagement or you're just being annoying and trying to control them. And your business growth will stall, you'll make less money, and uh, it's just not fun. 100%. Now, on the other hand, uh, if you know how to take that guilt out of things, you know, then we've got some upsides. Yeah, I, I think if, you, if you're comfortable with your success, you, you will enjoy it and you'll feel good and you'll feel proud of what you've achieved, which is important because business is hard. There's no doubt about that. It takes effort and that's why not everyone can do it. But it's important to acknowledge the wins that you have and really celebrate them. You're going to enjoy the time and the space you create in your life. Uh, you know, this is something I've, I've had to learn this because I've been really crap at this and I've had to learn this the hard way. Uh, actually enjoy what you've created, that you've got a bit more time and you can focus on some different stuff and learn some new stuff. 
you're going to build good trust and empowerment with your team. You know, actually the culture will will grow because you're actually letting them do their stuff. You're telling them implicitly that you trust them by not, you know, being in, in everything. And your business will grow and you'll have more money and more time. So it becomes like a an ever-increasing uh, cycle of success. Yeah. All right, so some pretty big upsides there. Uh, I'm sure at this point, you know, people are wondering, you know, how do I actually do this? Because easier said than done, right? Yeah, it, it, it 100% is. And uh, if you're listening and you've experienced this, you'll know exactly what we mean is that kind of weird feeling of, oh, I'm not pulling my weight anymore and I should be helping out more. And if you haven't experienced it yet, you will if you grow your business because this just happens to everyone. And it, and we call it initially the guilt of getting off the tools, but it's more about a, a guilt of being successful. And, and it'll apply to all levels of your business. You know, when, when you get an ops manager in, when you get an estimator in, when you get a GM in. And it's almost like we want the success, but when we get it, we're so used to struggling that the success actually feels uncomfortable and weird, uh, which is uh, which is kind of annoying. And we've we've helped you know lots of business owners find their way through this. And what they do is they actually jump back. For example, if they've got off the tools, they jump back into the field because they're just trying to help their team with jobs that they've delegated out. And they just do that because it just feels emotionally weird not to do it. Uh, mm. And it could be doing jobs. It could be if they've hired an estimator, they jump back and do the pricing. It could be if they've got an ops manager, they help them fix up all the mistakes. Whatever it is, it's the same type of thing. So what's, you know, what, what is actually going on here? Well, first, I think, you know, big, big thing is a loss of identity. So when you've been working so hard for a long time doing something and that changes, say, from getting stuff done with my own hands to organizing other people to get it done, the problem is you've judged your worth for so long by, you know, what you can see that you've done. Because if you're all about getting stuff done, then when I get stuff done, I'm a winner. And I've judged myself that way for a long time. And that's how I feel a sense of identity and, and purpose and fulfillment. But then I get to a point where I'm in a more of a management position and I don't have the same link to the work. I'm not getting stuff done. I'm arranging other people to get stuff done. And so at that point, it can feel like I'm not pulling my weight. Well, basically, it can feel like I'm betraying my roots, you know, like the boys I've always worked with, the team I've always had, the mates I've always got. Basically, it's like I'm a different person. I do different stuff. Um, and so on the one hand, it feels like a betrayal to everybody else. But on the other hand, it's a betrayal to myself because I feel like I'm not doing the stuff that makes a big impact. Plus, you know, offshoot of that is I feel like I'm not winning because I'm not getting the wins the way I used to. So it's pretty tough. Yeah, so loss of identity is, is massive. The second thing is you actually – struggle to see how you're actually adding value to the business. So before when you're actually on the job, you can see that you're billing hours and you can see that direct link, as you said, between actually doing work and uh, and the money coming in, the revenue that you're generating. But when you, when you move to that next level, it's actually hard to see what you're actually doing. Uh, you can actually feel like you're just an overhead cost. And that's a big thing. We're often taught we'll keep your overheads down, save costs. You know, We want to keep things lean and keep everything revenue generating. And we've talked about this on previous podcasts. Actually, overheads are what you need to have a successful business. Without that, it's just a, it's a messy, you know, difficult to manage job. What's ironic? I think the wording you use there is actually the the active part. You know, I'm just an overhead cost. <laughs> Where in reality, it's like I am an overhead cost. You know, the way that you actually frame that in your own head is is the problem, right? Because an overhead cost is actually building that factory that churns out a you know a result. That's how your business runs. It's the operational backing that helps all of your direct costs earn money. So, you know, it's, it's that framing in your head, really. It is, it is. And the thing is, you don't yet understand the huge value you can add by actually working on bigger things in the business. 
And so the 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 uh, the job of the business owner is to build the business, and that's things like putting systems in place in the business processes. It's winning new work. It's hiring more great people. I mean, there is nothing more impactful and value adding than hiring great people, and that's a critical role of the business owner to have either do it themselves or have a, a great system for hiring people. Now, these things will add hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars to your business, not just twenty five or thirty or forty k a month. And that's the difference. When you're out in the field, you're earning 20, 30, 40K, 50K a month in actual billing. Per tradesman. Per tradesperson, or if you're doing it, that's you. But when you're in the office, you're influencing all of the tradespeople who do that. Yeah. And uh, and adding tradespeople who can do that and improving systems that make it happen more quickly. Mm. Uh, and so it's understanding that value, uh, which is less direct, but way more powerful. Well, it's exponential as opposed to linear, right? So that's it's, the key it's, thing. It's pretty important to understand that because um, you'll see your value in a totally different light. Yeah. Uh, the third thing is fear of judgment, uh, and and this is uh, this is huge. There's a fear of the team actually, you know, seeing you leave early because you can, and the and you actually wondering if they think you're lazy. Mm. I mean, I've heard this so many times. In fact, uh, we run a, a, a group for high level business owners called Boardroom. And I was with probably our, our biggest revenue clients yesterday. And one of them still said, oh, I feel awkward when I leave early because I think the boys might think I'm lazy. Uh, and this is a big problem. And maybe you think you, your friends might think the same if you're you know, off going fishing on Friday or you're playing golf or going or mountain bike riding. They're like, well, geez, he's a lazy bugger. Uh, and nobody wants to feel lazy until they realize that uh, being lazy and having lots of time off is actually success. Well, not to mention it's like, in order to be lazy, I have to have been hardworking. <laughs> you actually can't be lazy without being hardworking because to have earned the the ability to be lazy um, took more hard work than any of them ever put in. So you just can't feel guilty about that. It's that simple. Well, more hard work and, and smarts. Yeah. Uh, because there's hard work, but if it's not multiplied by smarts, well, it's just work, hard, hard work. work, smart, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. And, and you think you fear people thinking that you've got too big for your boots as well. There's the tall poppy thing. You know, hey, you, you've stuck your head up and you're a winner. And there's some people, because of their own insecurities, who don't like that. You know, frankly, that's their problem, not your problem. Mm. And let's be honest, most people aren't thinking about you anyway. And mm. what they think of you is none of your business. Yeah. doesn't matter. And people, see, the thing is, people seem to have this kind of competition about how busy they can get. You know, like when you, you meet one of your mates, oh, how are you going? Oh, I'm busy and flat out. And the other person, oh, well, I'm flat out. I'm working 80 hours a week. And then, well, I'm working 100 we have this kind of one-upmanship that we want to have around how busy and how stressed we are as though it sort of talks to how important we are or how special we are. Or how like everybody else we are. So it's, it's yeah. going to be one or the other. It either can feel like a boast, you know, where it's like, I feel good because I'm telling you how hard I work, or either that or it's like, I feel like, you know, we're all in the same grind together, aren't we? Isn't life so hard? You know, let's all like bond over how crap we feel. It's like, this is like this is ridiculous. Like race to the bottom. Why are we doing this right now? Yeah. I remember when I was a kid growing up, uh, we had a, a farm, a dry stock farm. We used to raise bulls. We'd grow bull calves and grow them out to sort of two years and then and send them off to be, uh, you know, to be killed for, for meat. And uh, everyone else in the district was a dairy farmer. I remember at school a couple of times, the boys sort of saying to me, oh, is your dad a bull farmer? Or does he not do milkings every day? Man, he must be lazy. Yeah. And it really cut me because I was like, how are you calling my dad lazy? I was like, no, he's not lazy. And I justify everything he did. But looking back, I'm like, actually, he was the smart one. He was the one who could coach all the sports teams. He was the one who could take us on holidays. He's the one who could go away. 
from the business because he didn't have to be there for morning and night milkings. Yeah, plus, you know, the price of milk doesn't affect him quite the same way. Quite right. the same way. I mean, it does, but not quite the same way. So, uh, so, so it's a really powerful thing that wanting to fit in and fear of judgment is 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 massive. You know, it's in our head. That's the thing. I think that's the thing is a lot of this stuff, you know, like we're worried about what's in other people's heads, but actually that worry is in our heads. <laughs> it's, a, it's kind of a roundabout thing. And I think my question is how do we get through this? Because it's important that we do. Otherwise, basically, you're just going to sabotage your own success. I think the first thing is it's about reframing your role. So it's actually understanding as a business owner, what is your role? And frankly, your role is to provide jobs, it's to get clients, it's to ensure quality work's done, it's to make the business profitable so it works for you and for everyone else. Yeah, it's critical. In, in other words, it's about growing a business. And, and being comfortable with what, what you've reframed your role as. That, yeah. That's exactly right. So, and, and understanding that if you are trying to do all the work because you're feeling guilty about it, you're not doing your role. You're actually doing a crap job. And in fact, your business will implode if you keep doing that, just like Graham. That's what happened to him. And you create the very problem that you're looking to get away from in the first place. Yeah, yeah. 100%. So you have to understand that your role as a business owner is to create a great business. It's to get the work done and the results are happening. It's not to do the work. Yeah, totally. And I think next thing is surround yourself with other successful people, you know, people that are going to drag you up, not people that are going to drag you down. I think this is really, really important because, um, you know, again, like we're talking about these conversations you have with your mates, you know, like we're all boasting about how much you work and, you know, all sort of in the same gripe together and all that. And then, you know, you go and you meet somebody who's further ahead than you. Maybe they've achieved another level of success that you haven't achieved. And you notice they just talk differently. You know, they, they don't boast about all the hours they're working. They're, uh, and they're a lot more matter of fact. They talk about what they're doing with their money. And a lot of, a lot of your friends probably don't talk about money. But if you get to a point where you make some extra money, you need to be able to talk about it or otherwise you're going to make bad decisions with it. You know, if you have a business which has 10 staff and all your mates, you know, have businesses that have one or two staff members, you know, employees, you're going to find it really, really hard to, you know, to relate and to, and to get good advice and support. And so you really need to look at who you surround yourself with and look for people that are not only peers, but people that are further ahead than you. I think this is really important. Like in our coaching group, for example, we've got different levels of group members and, um, you know, so people that are just getting started will be in a group, people that are you know, midway through a business growth journey in a group. And we've got a really high level group for people that have quite, you know, big businesses. So, you know, you get your peers, but then we also have a lot of uh, opportunities where they all mingle together. And this is crucial because you need to be pushed and you need to see what it's like and, you know, surround yourself with the mindset of people that are further ahead. So, you know, you can actually get support and learn some of these different, you know, ways of thinking. I think it's crucial. Yeah, and there's, there's, you know, coaching groups like we run, there's industry organisations, uh, you know, master plumbers, master electricians, all that kind of thing uh, can be uh, great places. Investor groups, uh, you know, property investors groups or commercial property investors groups or there's, there's uh, you know, there's online, there's all sorts of forums and stuff that you get involved with with people who are further down the track than you, you are. You can reach out to mentors as well. You know, if you look at like, let's say I'm a plumber, or, you know, so I've got a plumbing business, I've got about 10, 10 you know, employees in the field, something like that. And I know there's another plumbing business in town that has 50 employees in the field. Cool. So find out who runs it, reach out to them and say, man, look, I know this is uh, a bit out of the blue, but I'd love to hang out sometime, have a coffee. Um, Basically, you know, just learn a little bit about how you you did it. Um, Would you mind if we, you know, chat every now and then and just pick your brains? I'd really love to be where you are and I'd love to learn from you. You'd be surprised just how often that person turns around and they're all for it. Because likelihood is they had a similar relationship with somebody. And other likelihood is that they don't want to see other people make the same mistakes they did to get to where they want to be. It's funny how uh, when the cream rises to the top, cream actually is very interested in seeing other cream up there because it's lonely. So 
they're more than willing to help you. Yeah, um, this 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 other people is 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 critical. And and it could be it could be anything. Well, it could be anything. I mean, like basically when you're reaching out to other people, just like look for other people that are further ahead than you in business. It could be in the same business, it could be in different businesses. But basically surround yourself with people that have that higher level of thinking you're trying to achieve because if you're trying to think a different way, see your role in a different light or feel a different way about what you do and who you are, look for other people that already feel that way and see it that way and then hang out with them because yeah, they'll help I think that, that, That's what I was going to say is the hanging out part is important. If you can create social situations where you're just vibing with people, you'll be amazed at what you pick up from their attitudes and how they've dealt with this sort of thing. And just knowing that this is absolutely normal is actually like 50% of the, of the, um, of the solution. Yeah, to totally. know that you are not uh, alone and that this is absolutely normal and something you have to go through because the, the biggest lessons or the biggest uh, expansions, I guess, as a business owner are the skills you learn, yes, but the emotional and mental growth that has to happen for you to get to a different level. Because growing a business is not necessarily easy. It's kind of simple, but it's not necessarily easy. And the more that you're willing to upgrade yourself emotionally and mentally, the more money you're going to make. Yeah. And on that note, educate yourself too, you know, like read books, um, you know, listen to audio books if that's easier for you. Maybe listen to podcasts. Podcasts. Yeah. It's a, you know, you're already kind of there, aren't you? If you're, if you're listening to this, um, but yeah, you know, branch out as well. Other podcasts, you know, lots of good ones on there. Um, but basically, you know, you could watch YouTube clips. There's lots of stuff you can do to educate yourself, but the more you educate yourself, the more comfortable you feel with a new level of knowledge and expertise easier to upgrade your mindset when you've also upgraded the tactical knowledge. And so I think it's just important to do that. And don't just read, you know, how-to books or business books, read biographies, autobiographies, like, um, of again, people that are more successful than you. Um, one of Warren Buffett's tips uh, I really like, for tip for life, actually might have been Charlie Munger and maybe I'm getting this wrong, um, was uh, borrow knowledge of dead people. <laughs> and what he means by that is he's like, there's a bunch of incredibly smart people throughout history that accumulated so much useful knowledge and then wrote books. And basically what they're trying to do is give you the knowledge they don't need anymore because they did, uh, but you're living. So get that knowledge, man. Like, you know, they, they spent years getting it. Tony Robbins says that when you read someone's book, you absorb uh, 10 years of their life. So he's like, I'm going to live forever by reading, by reading heaps of books. But basically, yeah, I mean, essentially you're getting that experience, you're getting that leg up. So, so do it. You'd be silly not to. The next thing is uh, to, to get through this, it's important that rather than looking at the results of your work individually, you look at your team or business results. So, you know, we typically judge ourselves by the individual effort. How much output did I do today? You know, how many jobs did I price today? Or how many clients did I see? Or how much work did I get through on you know out in the field? You got to change that to look at what's the corporate result of the business. And so that's hey, what's my profit and loss statement each each month? That's actually how you judge your performance as a business owner and improving that. It's what's my client retention? It's uh, what's my employee satisfaction and retention? They are your report card now. Those are the things that you need to get your uh, your um, you know your feedback and your fulfillment from, rather than what did I actually do specifically on a day-by-day basis? And, and it's again, quite difficult, but it makes it's important because it's making the switch from being in a time-based economy where you measure your results by the effort you put in to the results-based economy while you measure the results by the results you get. 100%. And I think this, again, feeds back to who you surround yourself with, right? Like when you hang out with your mates at the pub, they're all saying, you oh, know, I worked 100 hours, I worked 90 hours, and 
you tend to hang out with some higher level thinkers that are running successful businesses and uh, they don't talk about that. They talk about um, what's your client retention percentage and employee satisfaction scores. Like that's what they talk about. You know, they, they just got a different chat, you know. So, yeah, I mean, we, uh, Bromwin and I have lunch every couple of weeks to talk about our investing and I've been struggling with it a bit recently because we don't have great reporting on, on how we're progressing. And I'm like, hey, Bromwin, I really need us to get a run rate tracker going so I can see where we're actually at with all these investments because when you do that, it actually makes you feel good. You can see the results. Well, it's the way that you judge your results these days, right? So that's I right. think I think that's it. It's just upgrade to that higher level. The last thing is create a big vision and goals for the future. So if you if you focus on the big vision and the goals you have for the future, that actually stretches you to be better. And it means you can't focus on oh, well, I'm feeling a bit bad about what I haven't done. It's like, what do I need to do to get to the next level? And you only achieve more by actually becoming a better business owner and a, and a better person emotionally and mentally uh, and action-wise in general. So big goals actually really help pull you through that that niggly kind of frustration or guilt that you have uh, because they set you on a, on a bigger path and they ask bigger, uh, they force you to ask bigger questions of what you're doing. Well, it's easier not to feel guilty with where I am now if I'm focused on where I want to be in 10 years because, you know, I might not be where I was, but I'm definitely not where I want to be either. And so, you know, it's, it's easy to be okay with that rather than feeling like I'm out of my depth because I'm further than I ever thought I would go. So you need yeah. to be constantly throwing that that, that is, stick out further. Yeah, it's you know? reframing the situation that you're in. Yeah, that's right. All right. Well, should we land this plan? Let's do it. The weird thing about business success is that it can actually feel uncomfortable when you get there. And you've got to be careful when this happens to you because if you give in to that discomfort, you can actually sabotage the success that you're enjoying. And it's important that you redefine uh, how you see your value and your worth in your business so you can set yourself up for even more success in the future. Thanks heaps for listening. We'll catch you all again next time. See you later. Next week on the Profitable Trading Podcast. The sad reality is that employees don't leave their job. They leave their boss or leader. And the cost of losing good employees are much larger than most realise, both in financial terms and in lost opportunities and all the stress involved. Yet many business owners are doing or not doing things that are actively in causing their employees to think about resigning or to actually resign. Next week, where we dig into all the things that cause employees to leave so you can stop making these mistakes. If you're serious about taking your service business to the next level, be sure to check out our show notes for a copy of our free book, The Profitable Tradie and other valuable resources to help you on your journey. And don't forget to hit the follow button and stay up to date with our latest episodes. That's all for today, folks. We hope you found this episode of the Profitable Trading Podcast helpful and informative. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you in the next one.